African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Good morning. It's 11 o'clock Central African time. You tuned into African Dialogue. My name is Zikon Amiso, standing in for Benjamin Mushatama. We're currently on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And of course, we're also on channel 902 on the DSTV audio bouquet. Now, as always, we're going to be getting into some uh, uh, hot topics on the show today. And we'll be looking at uh, this um, visit from uh, U.S. President Barack Obama into Africa at this time. Of course, we know that he went to Kenya and today is addressing the AU and he is the first US president who will be addressing the African Union so some interesting times ahead, that's what we'll be focusing on in the show today but without any further ado, we're going to start with some news we'll be back after this, Onele Ntlinti is standing by Thank you, Connor. Now looking at your headlines, African leaders call for the lifting of sanctions against Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir, Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari to travel to neighboring Cameroon to discuss how best to fight Boko Haram and today marks World Hepatitis Day. With your latest news, a very good morning. I am Onelin Tsinsi. African leaders have issued a joint statement from a conference in Mauritania calling for the lifting of sanctions against Sudan. President Omar al-Bashir inducted for genocide in Sudan's western region of Darfur was among 11 leaders or government representatives at the meeting of countries grouped by the Green, Great Green War a a logical initiative. 300,000 people were killed in the conflict and another 2.5 million forced to flee their homes. Sudan has been the subject of a variety of trade and arms embargoes supported by the international community. The leaders did not specify which sanctions they wanted lifted. U.S. President Barack Obama will address the African Union in the Ethiopian capital Addis Ababa on Tuesday. He is the first ever American president to address the 54-member organization. Obama is wrapping up his visit to the region that has seen him focus on security and human rights. Activists have complained that Obama's visit to Ethiopia could add credibility to a government they accuse of suppressing democratic rights. Obama addressed those concerns, saying they were there was still a lot more work that needed to be done.
Egyptian police have killed two jihadists suspected of involvement in the recent bombing of the Italian consulate in Cairo. The two men were killed in a gunfight when a police team went to arrest them. The two were also wanted for their role in the assassination of police officers. ISIS has claimed the July 11th bombing of the consulate, the first such attack on a foreign mission in Egypt since jihadists launched a campaign against the country's security force two years ago following a crackdown on Islamists. Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari will travel to neighboring Cameroon on Wednesday for talks with President Paul Biya on combating the regional threat from Boko Haram. Since his inauguration on May 29th, Buhari has already visited Chad and Niger, two other neighbors of Nigeria that, like Cameroon, have been targeted in the cross-border attacks by the Nigeria-based jihadists. And finally, today marks World Hepatitis Day. On this day, the South African National Blood Service is calling on all citizens, especially those who intend donating blood, to ensure they get tested. They say this is a crit- critical in ensuring the safety of the country's blood supply. There are various types of hepatitis viruses which cause infections and inflammations of liver that can lead to severe diseases and even death. South African National Blood Services Communications Manager Vanessa Raju says the theme for this year's World Hepatitis Day is prevention. Hepatitis exists as an infection and, and as the inflammation of the liver leading to severe diseases. And there are about 4 million people globally that have died from this chronic disease. And it causes about 80% of the reported liver psoriasis cases around the world. So obviously, being the blood service, these are causes of concern for us. And with hepatitis B and C being two of the, the types of hepatitis that we test for every single time a donor donates blood, we have joined with the World Health Organization today to create awareness now recapping on your top stories, African leaders call for the lifting of sanctions against Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir, Nigerian President Muhammadu Buhari, to travel to neighboring Cameroon to discuss how best to fight Boko Haram. And today marks World Hepatitis Day. Channel African News. It's seven minutes after 11. You're tuned into African Dialogue. My name is Zikona Misa, standing in for Benjamin Mushadama. Doing this until the top of the hour, and we'd love for you to join in on the conversation by simply texting us at plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero, or simply tweeting us at Channel Africa One. Thank you to Onel and Zinzi for that news update. She'll also be back a little bit later on. Now, during his first visit to Ethiopia yesterday, United States President Barack Obama met with the country's Prime Minister, Haile 
Le Mariam de Salen. Obama addressed issues that he was expected to by the media and analysts, focusing on security and the threat of Islamist militant group Al-Shabaab in Somalia. Now, Obama arrived in Kenya on Sunday, where he focused on improving business ties with Africa. Now, today in African Dialogue, we look at bilateral relations between Africa and the U.S. And, of course, we're looking at the significance of President Obama's visit to the region. Now, I'm joined on the line by Tom Wheeler, who's a foreign policy analyst. Good morning, Tom, and thank you for making the time to speak to us. Good morning. It's a great pleasure. Also on the line, we've got Mr. Brooks Spector, who's an associate editor of The Daily Maverick. Good day, Mr. Spector, and thank you for making the time as well. Good morning to you and to Tom. Fantastic. Also on the line, we've got Courtney Prester, who's a past chair of the Democrats Abroad South Africa. Good day, Courtney, and lovely to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Well, time has just gone eight minutes after 11 o'clock. And, of course, you as our listener, we encourage that you get in on the conversation. And uh, you can also share whether you agree with the sentiments of our guests this morning or not. Now, Mr. Wheeler, I'm going to start with you. Obama's significance, the significance of this particular visit. Now, we know that uh, today is also going to be addressing the AU. We're looking at ties between the U.S. and Africa up until now. What significance does this uh, particular visit play? Well, I think in um, in both the countries he's visiting, Kenya and Ethiopia, this is the first time that a sitting U.S. president has visited those countries. Mm. So that has quite a symbolic significance. But it's also the issues that he's decided to address. He's talked about uh, improved dem- democratic practices in both. Uh, uh, he talked about uh, gay rights in Kenya. Uh, He talked about the need for greater uh, involvement of young people in business Mm -hmm. and rather than uh, relying on international aid that uh, the countries of Africa should develop their trade and uh, their their, uh, private sectors so that they can trade rather than depend on on other countries uh, helping them financially. Mm. Mr. Spector, do you agree with those sentiments? I know that uh, when uh, President Obama um, did become president, um, the the continent was in a state of euphoria almost as um, you had um, a president in the U.S. who actually did have his origins uh, based in the continent. Your thoughts around that? Well, first of all, let me just say I agree in large part with what Tom has just said. Mm. Uh, much of, uh, of the Obama message since his first visit to the continent back in 2009 in Accra, has been precisely on those themes of uh, increasing attention to youth. It's a young continent. Many people are aspirant, middle-class young people, and Mm. this is where the future of the relationship is going to go one way or the other. Uh, And trade, as opposed to aid, has been a fairly strong message uh, a fairly consistent basis from the Obama administration. And in the week prior to his visit to Ethiopia mm-hmm. and uh, Kenya, remember that he signed into law the, revi- the revision to the, re- the revised version of the African Growth and Opportunity Act for, for a decade into the future, which is entirely focused on the idea that Trade is important for economic growth, and economic growth is in turn important for political stability and the growth of democratic values. And also, um, in just at about the same time, just before he left Washington, mm. uh, Muhammad uh, Buhari, the new president of Nigeria, or recently uh, uh, 
assumed the office of president, also visited the United States uh, in a highly publicized visit. And the theme of that visit was, to a considerable degree, trade and economic investment, as well as anti-corruption drives. So put those things into the mix as well. The the heart of your other question mm. um, is the euphoria and the sort of the settling downward yeah. of that euphoria. Um, a, a lot of people on the continent obviously saw Barack Obama as their president, too, yeah. conveniently forgetting, of course, that he wasn't elected president of Africa. He was elected president of the United States, who just happened to have one foot on the continent by mm. virtue of his his personal... Uh, affection and obviously the genetic basis uh, of, of his being. Um, there was obviously going to be a certain amount of deflated expectations when it became clear that much of what he is about and his job was less about Africa per se and more about America, obviously. So I think there's a sort of, the, the, over the next six plus years, there was a growing sense of real of realism and a uh, a lowering of those high expectations. Mm. Still, he shows up in Kenya, and people are repainting the streets and naming their children Barack Obama uh, and Air Force One and uh, the recent polling data that I read about opinion uh, in the continent uh, says that there was a very high, there continues to be a very high uh, sense oh, of, mm. of appreciation for him and for the country he stands for. Mm. Now, Courtney, let me bring you in here. In terms of that uh, diminishing uh, euphoria that um, Mrs. Specter explains, I mean, the visit to Africa at this time in these two particular countries where U.S. President has actually never set foot in before, do you think that this could have been, this is, is of, of course, a strategic move on his part and um, it could do a lot in terms of those um, U.S.-Africa relations? Mr. Priester. Yes, I do. I, I totally agree with that statement. Um, we all have to keep in mind that the, that the United States is um, always going to promote the United States. Mm. Um, so in, in this particular trip, of course, there will be gains for Africa and there will be gains for, for the United States. I uh, um, honestly feel that the, the trip was successful and the euphoria will continue because the image of Barack Obama is as all the articles I have seen and the, and the commentary is saying that he shows that you can come from nothing and be something. And that's, that's I think, even more than the whole economic and the entrepreneurship talk, I think that's the most important thing about him coming in. Because people on the ground need to see someone to demonstrate to them that they can also achieve. Well, um, thank you, Mr. Priester, for your sentiments there. Those are the opening comments from our guests um, this morning here on African Dialogue, Mr. Tom Wheeler, Brooke Spector, as well as Courtney Priester. We're getting into conversation around um, President Barack Obama's visit to the continent. And, of course, we are expecting him to address the AU today, and that should definitely be interesting. Time has just gone 15 minutes after 11 o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Tweet us at Channel Africa 1. Gentlemen, we're going to a short break. We'll be back after this. Please do stay on the line. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views, and great African entertainment. Bonjour à tous, merci encore une fois d'être sur Channel Africa. Hii ndio taarifa habari kutoka idhaa ya Kiswahili ya Channel Africa.
Johannes. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to African Dialogue. It's just gone 16 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we are currently on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa and, of course, also on uh, Channel 902 on the DSTV Audio Bouquet. Mr. Spector, when, uh, today we are expecting uh, U.S. President Barack Obama to address the AU. Um, this is, of course, uh, the first time that a U.S. President will be doing this. And uh, um, what has been a spec- speculation is that, of course, he will discuss um, uh, possible sanctions for South Sudan's if the warring parties don't forge a peace deal. Your thoughts around this, and are we expecting this to happen? Well, I mean, first of all, let's let's remember that it was just about exactly a year ago mm. in Washington there was a a meeting of most of the heads of state heads of state from throughout Africa uh, at a summit in in Washington. So, in effect, this can be seen as a continuing discussion uh, from that meeting to this one, Mm. and uh, I mean, that wasn't a formal AU meeting, but it effectively had much of the same texture to it, Um, and in that meeting, as well as all the statements, as I say, since 2009, there's been this this really strong focus on trade as opposed to the old style of patronage and aid. I think you're going to see serious comments again on... um, the youth generation and the way in which that generation uh, must reject the idea of the old constant of the big man in Africa. Mm. You're going to see uh, a serious focus on the question of corruption, uh, which is still a difficult problem in many societies throughout the continent. You're going to see a call to deal ever more firmly with uh, the fundamentalist terror activities of, uh, of an al-Shabaab or a Boko Haram. You're also going to see a call to spend a whole lot more African energy, and I underscore that phrase, African energy, on dealing with the decaying circumstances of South Sudan. Mm-hmm. And you, it, there, there'll be no question but that you'll still see uh, at least a comment on the question of Omar al-Bashir, uh, even if there won't be a rebuke of South Africa for not having put him at the disposal of the International Criminal Court. So, I mean, those are the main kinds of themes. And you're also going to see a natural sense of Barack Obama explaining where he personally, mm. as an individual, fits into his relationship uh, with the continent. And those are the main points. I'd love to be a fly on the wall, however. <laughs> Definitely. In, in the green room uh, where he's talking with Skosana Dlamini Zuma, uh, can you imagine that conversation when she says to him, for example, and so, Mr. President, what's it like to be president? 
<laughs> well, I'm sure we'd all love to be flies in that room and hear some of the things that we maybe won't hear, you know, in the public sphere. But in any case, Mr. Wheeler, do you agree with uh, Mr. Spector's sentiments in that regard? And just, you know, if you can also extend on why has it taken so long for a U.S. president, you know, to formally be in the same space, you know, within the AU. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, over to you. Yes, I think <clears throat> Dr. Nkosazana Lamini Zuma has strongly welcomed the visit of uh, Barack Obama to the AU and to Africa. I think uh, what Brooke said earlier is that you have to accept that the U.S. president has responsibilities much wider than Africa. Yeah. And if you think back of the problems that, uh, that uh, various presidents have had to deal with, the war in Iraq, the uh, al-Qaeda activities in, and the Taliban in Afghanistan, the, um, the global problems of 2008, financial problems. And so Africa had to take a back seat to, the, to those and other issues that required more urgent attention. Mm. Uh, the United States is a global power. It's not, just a, uh, it's not a colonial power. It didn't have a great involvement in Africa other than in recent years, like the Agoa that uh, Brooks referred to, and uh, these other areas. So Africa had to wait until the time was right that the U.S. president had the opportunity, had the time to come to Africa, and that's now. Mm-hmm. Is it um, is it by chance, uh, Courtney, that you think um, uh, you know Africa has deemed this the correct time, as uh, Mr. Wheeler is saying, um, considering that uh, President Barack Obama does have you know um, uh, his uh, own personal ties to the continent, um, uh, seeing as um, his uh, lineage and his uh, genetical pool, you know, is based in 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 Kenya, Mr. Priester. Yes. Um yeah, I agree with that, but also it is it is the time for Africa. That's why all the other powers are also uh, um, attempting even more strategical moves on the continent. It's not just the United States. Actually, the United States had been uh, far behind some of the others. So now it is time that uh, they uh, look out for their own best interests, basically, because Africa is the continent that has everything. Mm. Right. So, if all the minerals, all everything is already here, then of course all of those powers who are short to China, to U.S. and everybody else is going to try to get a foothold here. And I think that's what the focus is now. And I don't. I'm honestly saying, even if it wasn't uh, Barack Obama, that it would be if any other president would Mm. have to try to get a foothold in Africa at this time. Well, um, uh, Mr. Spector earlier mentioned that um, there was this uh, sense of excitement um, just ahead of uh, President Obama's visit, particularly in Kenya. And I know that um, a lot of the people from his uh, father's hometown were actually looking forward um, to his visit. And um, uh, he did mention that he wouldn't be um, going to that part of the country at that time. Now, we know that um, among other things that he said in Kenya, you know, he has um, uh, um, been talking about gay rights, you know, and the need uh, for Kenya to embrace um, gay rights but of course uh, President Kenyatta did vehemently express that um, this was not in line with the cultural practice of, of, of the Kenyan people. Mr. Wheeler, where does this then, um, uh, th- th- this conversation I know that there was a lot of, um, of, of pressure of course from, from um, 
civil rights groups uh, before that uh, Mr. Obama does not uh, mention the issue of gay rights, but it is something that he did touch on. Um, uh, could we see a turnaround in Kenya at this time? I doubt it. I think uh, what it said, uh, Kenya is one of 38 African countries who have legislation against mm. gay rights, and Uganda, you know, right next door, was even stronger on this issue. So uh, uh, Obama has made his, made his pitch but I don't think one should expect that there will be a great change in Kenya as a result of that. Mm. Mr. Uh, Spector? Well, I mean, one of the things we need to keep in mind is separate and apart from the, the feelings of an Uhuru Kenyatta on uh, gay gay issue, gay rights issues. Mm. Uh, remember, because Barack Obama is president of the United States, there is an active civil society movement on LGBTI uh, rights and uh, circumstances in the United States, and he must listen to that constituency rather more than the feelings of uh, Anahuru Kenyatta if he is to maintain his relationship mm. with support groups in America. There's a balancing act. Yeah. If he hadn't in Kenya made those points, criticism would have been sustained and loud in the United States. If he makes them too strongly in Kenya, it poisons the atmosphere of the visit. And so he's got to find a way to thread through that. Similarly, on the question of democratization uh, issues in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a country where the, the current government, uh, when it, in the, recent, the most recent election, 100% of the members of the parliament happen to come from one party. That's that's not usual democratic practice, mm. and although uh, Obama may have dialed back his criticism of democratic practice in, in Ethiopia, he didn't ignore it, and that would have that would have been poisonous for him in terms of American uh, opinion and American ideas, and um, so you, you know all of these things require a kind of balance and a kind of tightrope walking. And he, he seems to be a pretty agile kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It seems like it, there has to be a, so, some sort of dance that's going on. Mr. Priester, do you agree with Mr. Spector's sentiments in this regard in terms of um, uh, President Obama having to um, strike that balance? Yes, I definitely agree with it. And I, I think it was handled uh, uh, properly on both ends, mm. even, even on the uh, Kenyan president's response, and just say it's, it's a non-issue here. Basically, he didn't deny it. He just said it's a non-issue. It's not on the table. Mm-hmm. We're joined on the line by Mr. Tom Wheeler, Mr. Brooks Spector, as well as Courtney Priester here on African Dialogue. And we're discussing President Barack Obama's visit to the continent at this time. And we'd love to get your sentiment around that. And I'll definitely be reading some of those SMSs and those comments on Twitter and see if some of our guests do agree with those sentiments that are coming, in, are coming through from our listeners. Time has just gone 26 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is African Dialogue. My name is Zikon Amiso, standing in for Benjamin Mushatama. I'm with you until the top of the hour. Stay with us. would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical 1. 
or write to us at the address PO Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006, Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. 27 minutes after 11 o'clock, this is African Dialogue. We are on Channel 902 on the DSTV Audio Bouquet. And, of course, we're on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. My name is Economy, so I'm with you until the top of the hour. I'm joined on the line by Tom Wheeler, Foreign Policy Analyst, Brooke Spector, an Associate Editor for the Daily Maverick, and Courtney Priester, Past Chair of the Democrats Abroad South Africa. And these gentlemen are joining me in discussion today as we zoom in on a U.S. President Barack Obama's visit to the continent at this time. Now, gentlemen, you know, more importantly, you know, in our discussion, we're looking at um, U.S.-Africa ties at this time. And I know that uh, Mr. Spector earlier mentioned that, you know, if anything, this is the right time for a U.S. president to be addressing the AU. Um, And, of course, he has done so in in, in other ways, but not um, officially as he will today. But, Mr. Wheeler, when we look at U.S.-Africa relations, what sort of strides have been made during um, President Obama's tenure? I think he started out with that speech in Ghana where he almost set his agenda um, which, and he visited South Africa and Tanzania and one other country I think earlier and uh, then of course the Agoa renewal so there's been a lot of positivity mm. Uh, from the United States towards Africa. There were also the youth summit and the, and the other summit, uh, various programs that the United States has been running to improve relations with Africa, uh, particularly in recent times. And then, of course, there's also under uh, George Bush's presidency, there was the PEPFAR program, which was a program to c- control AIDS uh, in Africa. And that continues under, even though the aid program uh, is set to be reduced, the, the health program, that one, and also the tuberculosis pro- program mm. being run by the uh, United States in South Africa are continuing. So there, there's a lot of positivity there, which he's been able to build on by his visit at this time. Mm. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's almost the, cr- the crown of, the relationship uh, between the two countries that he's chosen to come now towards the end of his presidency and also to to visit these countries that no U.S. president has ever visited before. Mm. Now, during the 2008 campaign, President Obama outlined um, his priorities for developing Africa and he highlighted what they termed the genocide in Darfur, um, the need to fight poverty and, of course, expanding uh, prosperity on the continent. Now, Mr. Spector, when we look at some of these um, things that were so important in his campaign in, in, in 2008, how far has he come in terms of really bridging that divide in those two countries and really zoning in on that fight against poverty? and that expansion of prosperity. Well, one of the things we haven't mentioned, uh, any of us so far, Mm -hmm. is this quote-unquote Power Africa initiative. Uh, And, you know, those people who live in South Africa certainly are are familiar with the the astonishing impact the lack of electrical power can suddenly have on one's Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Put it the other way, if you never have it to start with or you have it only sporadically, uh, the, the, uh, the effect negatively on development is is obvious 
Now, what, what that initiative is not is not a massive aid program of building generators and uh, hydroelectric power plants. It's, it's a more nuanced idea of leveraging government loan guarantees and finding ways that private enterprise will pony up with money as investments, mm. whether it's a partnership between African and American uh, financing or African government and American private enterprise, uh, or all three circumstances, U.S. government, Af- various African governments, and, and private enterprise on both continents. The idea is that there is such potential growth in energy production that that using resources this way can have a real it's almost like getting a jolt from a from a large battery toward development and that that segues well to the other ideas of growth um, AGOA the African Growth and mm-hmm. Opportunity Act is the one we've we've all mentioned uh, as it was just reinit- reinitiated for the next 10 years this is an area where duty-free tariff-free exports from the continent have a way of entering the United States and become then competitively advantageous. Uh, it's been underutilized by most African countries, and that I think is a shame. Uh, the the, uh, the best uh, users of it have been the oil exporting states on the one hand and uh, South Africa on the other because of a variety of, of uh, industrialized commodities, mm. including things like... Uh, automobiles assembled for export and they come in without tariff, without duty, they become competitively advantaged. There's lots of growth space in there for the other other countries of the continent to make much better use of this in a whole range of products. They don't have to be high-tech, but they have to have value added so that when they're exported, their price is a little cheaper. And that uh, that's an area that could really, really make uh, make some stand. The four, well, I mean, uh, you know, the question remains uh, just how does one deal with uh, Omar al-Bashir and just how mm-hmm. does one deal with a, with a government that he leads uh, short of sending troops, which is certainly not in the cards from, from any standard, although there are obviously some, some peacekeeping and peacemaking forces uh, in the region under uh, UN and regional auspices. Uh, but that's a real conundrum that's that's not easy to solve mm. uh, under current or even foreseeable future circumstances. Mm. Mr. Priest, your thoughts on that note? Yes, of course, I, I agree totally. But um, on the defies, how do you how do you handle that? That's that's the major question. I agree with you on that. As far as Agoa is concerned, uh, I'm glad it was renewed, but. Yet and still, it still has some some issues that need to be straightened out. Because remember, with South Africa with the chicken situation, uh, that was, as far as I, I haven't read anything to say whether that was cleared up or not. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd like to uh, find out more information on that end of it. And again, with Algoa, it, and its textiles, it includes so many different things. And why different African nations why what have not picked up on it is, is, is strange to me. I know it is some difficulties getting started, but there are a lot of, uh, of things available that can be manufactured and created that can, can fit up under that AGOA and, and the export. Uh, even uh, before Obama came in his initial speech about this trip, he, he had mentioned that uh, AGOA through Africa has created two, uh, two 
what is a quarter million jobs in the United States. So you know it can work uh, if it's worked properly. Mm. Now, it's no secret that at this time we know that uh, President Obama is um, uh, one of his main focus right now when it comes to the continent is the issue of security and terrorism. And we know that uh, before he uh, made his trip uh, this way, um, he actually met with uh, a Nigerian President Mohamedou Buhari. And of course, they're uh, discussing issues including um, the, um, the Boko Haram insurgence, which continues you know, to plague that part of the continent. Now, why is America so concerned about terrorism and security? issues on the continent. Mr. Wheeler? Well, destabilizing African countries is a major concern. We've seen what's happened in Somalia, that it hasn't had a a government fully in control of that country since Mm -hmm. 1991 because of various uh, uh, degrees of instability, the most recent being the attempt by al-Shabaab, which is linked with al-Qaeda, to take over the whole of the country. And it's taken an African force, uh, Kenyan uh, uh, operations and so on, to deal with it. And yet, even now, uh, Al-Shabaab is crossing the border and attacking places in Kenya, like the Garissa University a little while Mm -hmm. ago and another Mm -hmm. town even more recently, and, of course, the Westgate Mall before that. So uh, if Africa is to grow, it has to control terrorism in its various manifestations, whether it's Boko Haram in Nigeria or uh, Al-Shabaab in Somalia, Kenya, and the problems in Darfur, and so on. These, these all destabilize those countries and prevent the, uh, them from going forward. So mm-hmm. the U.S. is keen to assist with intelligence, with training, with equipment, although not with troops on the ground. Mm. Mr. Spector? Well, I I mean, Tom's quite right, Uh, and extend the metaphor out a little further. Um, Stability, uh, the the ability of people, ordinary people, to go about their business, to be able to predict how how their circumstances will be from one day to the next and not feel they're subject to, uh, you know, the incursions of, of, of rebel military forces or fundamentalist forces or whatever it might be, um, if if you can't predict your business climate, even in that most elemental way, mm. the last thing in the world that's going to happen is, is economic growth and greater prosperity. You'll be more concerned with just making it through to the end of the afternoon. And the whole project of African growth, the whole project of African stability, and the whole project of democratization of societies on the continent, all of this is threatened uh, by the instability that the things that a Boko Haram or the Lord's Resistance Army mm-hmm. or Al-Shabaab or any other, any of another half dozen or so smaller groups, uh, all of that's threatened by those activities and the way in which they break down the capabilities of a state and societies. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could argue that it's not America's business except that by the same token, everybody always wants to argue, why hasn't America done more? So mm-hmm. they're, they're caught uh, in the problem of trying to do enough, but without being in control of all the developments. Mm. Almost a catch-22 of some sort. Well, well at least a, at least a, de- a delicate balancing yeah. act.
Yeah, yeah. Well, if you share the sentiments of Mrs. Bechtel or you don't, uh, send us those thoughts to info at channelafrica.co.za. Tweet us at channelafrica1 or simply text us at plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. It's almost 20 minutes before the top of the hour, which means we've got just under five minutes to conclude our conversation here. We're going to go to a short break and when we come back, we'll come back where well, the gentlemen will give us their closing remarks. Stay with us. Get to know Channel Africa and all the people who bring news, views and great African entertainment. You can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV Audio Bouquet, Channel 902. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. Welcome back to African Dialogue. It's 20 minutes before the top of the hour, and uh, my name is Zikonami, so standing in for Benjamin Mushatama. We're concluding our conversation here around uh, US President Barack Obama's visit to the continent, and of course, he is expected today to address the African Union. This will be the first official address of the US President to the African Union at this time. Now, just before we let you, uh, the gentlemen, go, I'm just going to ask that each of you um, give us your closing remarks and, of course, what you're expecting that uh, U.S. President Barack Obama will um, uh, be saying to the AU at this time today as he's expected to address um, the setting. Uh, Tom Wheeler? I think he'll be uh, uh, discussing the various issues we've talked about this morning. Uh, And I would say that after anyone had listened to this program, Mm. they would have a much better understanding of U.S. relations with Africa, the constraints on Barack Obama and his objectives. Mm. Mr. Spector? Well, I think, uh, just as Tom says, we've covered most of the issues that that absolutely have to be in Mm. his remarks. Um, the, The one thing I would add, though, is that any presidential visit is by its very nature symbolic. Uh, it's rhetorical, it's symbolic. It doesn't do anything as much as it encourages other people to begin to see things mm. in a somewhat or increasingly different way. And um, the strength of the visit will be to the extent to which the messages begin to echo in other people's speeches, in other people's actions, and in the more concerted efforts that the, the AU itself begins to do to address uh, these Famously difficult questions. Mr. Priester? Yeah, I, I agree with both of my friends there. And, but I think the whole purpose is going to end up with the same thing, that Africa uh, needs to take care of Africa. They need to stand up, do the right thing, strengthen where they need strengthening, remove those things that need to be removed, and, and uh, be, and well, basically be the best you can be. Uh, mm. I think... It's been it's been going on too long that uh, a lot of negativity, but it still can be the growth capital of the world if we allow that. 
Mm. Well, those are the closing remarks there from Courtney Priester saying that Africa definitely should have African solutions to African problems. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We'll also be very curious to hear what comes out of uh, that uh, particular um, uh, sitting, that meeting with uh, U.S. President Barack Obama and the AU. And um, if he was lucky enough if, to have listened to African Dialogue this morning, we'll be we'll have taken a lot of the points from you gentlemen in that regard. But thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. It's a pleasure for my side. It's a great pleasure also. Thank you. That was Tom Wheeler, foreign policy analyst, joining us here on the line, and Mr. Brooks Spector, an associate editor for the Daily Maverick, as well as Courtney Priester, past chair of the Democrats Abroad South Africa. This gentleman was, uh, was sharing their thoughts around uh, what President Barack Obama should be focusing on when he does address the African Union later on today, and of course touching on the U.S.-Africa relations up until now, and how uh, Barack Obama has been able to make strides in his tenure as the president of the U.S. at this time. Time has just gone almost 15 minutes before the top of the hour. Remember, you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1, text us at plus 27-796-957-930, or you can simply email us to info at channelafrica.co.za. And remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. And don't forget to interact with us also on social media. We do have a page also on Facebook. If you just go and look for Channel Africa, you'll definitely be able to find us. My name is Zikon Amiso. We're going to a short break. When we come back, it will be time for our economic update. Well, it's time now for us to check what's happening in our business matters with Wisani Matebula. Thanks, Zikona, and good morning. South Africa's National Union of Mine Workers has signed a two-year wage agreement with junior gold producer Village Main Reef. NUM says uh, the deal includes an across-the-board increase of 79 U.S. dollars for all underground employees and 63 dollars for surface employees. NUM says it hopes the offer tabled by the Village Main Reef is uh, going to put more pressure on bigger gold mining companies to try and match the monetary value of the basic wage increase. Gold producers Anglo Gold, Ashanti, Harmony Gold, and Sibanya Gold, together with smaller firms including Village Main Reef, are in tough wage negotiations with unions who are demanding wage hikes of up to more than 100%. And Kenya Central Bank says it plans to mop up 20 million US dollars in excess liquidity from the money markets. The mopping up of liquidity by the bank makes it slightly more expensive for traders to hold dollars lending support to the shilling. And Africa's biggest mobile network, MTN, is expecting a decrease of between 10 and 15 percent in profits as fluctuating exchange rates hurt its bottom line. In a market update to shareholders, the company says the decrease will hit its basic headline earnings per share when compared to the previous period ended June 30, 2014. The company says this equates to its headline earnings per share ranging between 656 cents and 620 South African cents.
Dutch brewer Heineken and spirits maker Diageo have agreed to end their 11-year cooperation in South Africa and Namibia in a series of deals to disentangle joint ventures. Diageo says it will receive net cash of 198.4 million US dollars from the transactions that were expected to be completed by the end of this year. The company whose brands include Johnny Walker, Simnoff, Guinness, says it has become market leader in spirits in South Africa with a 40% share and feels it has the necessary scale to go it alone. Finally, we go uh, to West Africa and Nigeria. The gross uh, government revenues rising for the second consecutive month in June to 2.44 billion US dollars. The balance of the excess crude account stood at 2.27 billion dollars, which is up from 2.078 billion dollars on June 23. International oil prices rose at the end of April, and benchmark Brent futures were sustained in the $60 a barrel mark before falling again to the 50s a barrel at the start of uh, July. Africa's biggest oil producer depends on oil sales for about 70% of its government revenues. That's your economics news for this hour. I'm back in an hour's time with another update. would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical 1. Or write to us at the address P.O. Box 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Time now for our sports update. Thanks for joining us. Let's start with cricket, where the South African protest batsman Dean Elgar believes that the squad is experienced enough to prepare accordingly, despite the inclement weather ahead of the second test against Bangladesh that is starting in Maipur on Thursday. The protests were forced to train indoors at the Sher Bangla National Cricket Stadium on Monday afternoon and could face similar disruptions of training for the remainder of the week. The slate from the drawn first test in Chittagong has been wiped clean, and Tin Elga says that starting afresh and ticking the right boxes will ensure that the Proteas are successful in the series deciding match. 
And in soccer, former FIFA Vice President Jack Warner appeared in Trinidad and Tobago Court in relation to an extradition request on corruption charges. The 72-year-old Warner was arrested on a provincial warrant and is currently on bail. He is wanted in the U.S. on a dozen of charges, including bribery, corruption and wire fraud conspiracy. The case, the case has been adjourned to August 28th, but in the meantime, I've asked my legal team to file for judicial review based on the fact of political bias. I am saying that Munilal, the Prime Minister, and Prakash Ramela, among others, politically biased this matter, and therefore I'm asking for judicial review as a consequence. Aston Villa have signed Ghanaian striker Jordan AU on a five-year deal for an undisclosed amount of money. The 23-year-old to join from Laureate in France's League One helped his country to secure a place in the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations. Ghana-based football journalist Michael Oti Ajayi believes that it is the right move for him. He certainly has shown, and if you can see from his last season with Laureate, it was 13 goals for them. He could shoot from outside the box. He scored goals from within the box. He scored headers. He's terrific from penalties. He can take on defenders. He's got good pace. So overall, I think he's a very good player. I've, I've read some very negative reviews of, 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 of the way he plays. And now in rugby, despite filling the shoes of South African captain John De Villiers at inside centre with aplomb, Damien De Allende believes that his proclaimed mentor will help any young player to reach his potential. De Allende has been in super form for the Springboks in the recent rugby championship test and delivered another top performance in his side's 27-20 loss to New Zealand at Ellis Park on Saturday. Many believe that De Allende's form in the number 12 jersey could be reducing the chances of John De Villiers making it back for the Springboks for the World Cup that is starting in September as he attempts to complete his recovery from a horror knee injury last year. In cycling, Chris Froome celebrated his second Tour de France triumph with a visit to his sponsors yesterday while considering trying for a rare Grand Tour double in Spain next month. The third-year-old Briton, relaxing after the build-up and duration of the Tour, revealed that in a bid to win back-to-back Grand Tours could be on the cards with a crack at the Vuelta de España, which begins on August 22. And finally in golf, U.S. Masters and U.S. Open champion Jordan Spieth could go down as the greatest putter golfer has ever seen. And according to Europe's Ryder Cup talisman Ian Poulter, world number two has won four times this season and is breathing down Northern Irishman Rocky McIlroy's neck at the top of the rankings. The 22-year-old American aiming to become the first player to land the opening three majors of the year since Ben Hogan in 1953 also came within one shot of making the three-way playoff won by compatriot Zach Johnson at this month's British Open. That's the end of our sports. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Thank you, Tommy. And that's how we wrap things up here on African Dialogue. Remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. And of course, as always, we more than welcome to interact with us via the social networks. Tweet us at Channel Africa One. Find us on Facebook or simply SMS us at plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine. Well, from myself, Zikona Miso, it's been great. Benjamin Mushadama will be back tomorrow. We leave you now here on Channel Africa and we say keep listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.